It is Star Wars Day on Locked on Anaheim Ducks. Which team's possible misfortune could do the Ducks a favor? Hmm. I'll talk about that on this edition of Locked on Anaheim Ducks. Your Locked on Ducks. Your daily podcast on the Anaheim Ducks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jason J.D. Hernandez. I've been covering hockey for over a decade. Thanks for being an everydayer, and thanks for making this your first listen of the day. A reminder, this podcast is free and available across all platforms, ad-free on Amazon, and also on the YouTubes, so check us out there. And I'm trying to get all the YouTube episodes up right now. YouTube has been really slow uploading episodes recently, so I'm trying very hard to get as many up as possible. You know, just sometimes it gets really slow uploading, and I'm hardly home. So I'm trying, folks. Audio takes like a minute, so thank goodness for that. All right, so as we approach the draft lottery... And as we get closer and closer to finding out if the Ducks will get the number one pick, I wanted to take some time off and think about, well, what about this offseason? I mean, there's going to be a lot of changes coming to the Ducks, and deservedly so. Some players leaving, and then you have free agency. So as I'm watching these playoffs materialize and watching as we speak, the materialization of this playoffs has been weird because... I thought it was going to be, you know, Boston moving on. That didn't happen. I thought Tampa would slay Toronto. That didn't happen. Although Toronto is losing in their series. Hmm. So, that got me thinking. There are some teams that are going for it right now. A lot of them are, actually almost all of them, are not going to win at all this season. So, assuming that there's some grave misfortune, how will the Ducks benefit from this? Glad you asked. I look at one team in particular, like dead on. There's one team that is going to have to strip their team a little bit because I think this is probably their best chance to win the cup. And I am looking at the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yep. The Toronto Maple Leafs. I feel like their window is this season and next season. And after that, I don't see them getting any further. Toronto right now has a slew of guys that are unrestricted free agents. Not even RFAs. They are UFAs. And there's a lot of talent out there for the taking. And when I look at a Toronto team that has $11 million going to Austin Matthews, $11 million going to John Tavares, $11 million going to Mitch Marner, that's already about $33 million going to three players. And... The salary cap might not go up as much as we anticipated. Instead of going up to 85 or 84 million, right now we're hearing that the salary cap is only going to go up by 1 million to 83 and a half million. That is going to handcuff a lot of teams looking to shed some salary. And the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to have to be one of those teams. I didn't mention uh, Willie Nylander. He's making 7 mil. So between those four players, Matthews, Tavares, Marner, and Nylander, that is $40 million. That is almost half their salary on 
four players. Let me add in a couple more players. Morgan Riley and TJ Brody. Riley making seven and a half. Brody making five million. So between those six guys, only those six guys, and that is it. That's $52.5 million. That does not leave a whole lot of money to spend to try to round out their roster. And they've they've got some work to do. Especially with Matt Murray making almost $5 million next season. They're almost out of money, as it is. Then you have Jake Muzzin, who could come back next season if he's healthy enough. Could make it, you never know. What, what do you do if you're the, the Leafs? Like, honestly, what do you do at that point? I mean, not much money's coming off the books unless you're players right now. So, the first player I'm going to look at, and this is like, I hope the Ducks at least go after this guy, Justin Hall. Now, I know Justin Hall is a little bit on the older side. He is 31 years old, going on 32. He has played a while. He didn't play last game against the Panthers. He doesn't score a whole lot, but what I like in his game is he's a very good defensive defenseman. I actually he used to be a very good defensive defenseman. Now he's, you know, he's decent. He will still eat minutes. He will be kind of shut down still on a second or third pairing, something that the Ducks sorely missed this season. And he is on the right side, so he could pair. There's many ways to pair him up. And I know the Ducks have already tried this with a somewhat older defenseman at the time, Kevin Shattenkirk. But Shattenkirk was a little bit older when he was signed to a three-year deal than Justin Hall is right now. So he's never going to put up like humongous offensive numbers. That's never been his game. But he moves the puck. He's good at that. He doesn't make many mistakes, which is also good. He's also a big defenseman, 6'4", 210, with a very impressive wingspan. So he's got a long stick, a long active stick, which is what you need. And he's good on a shutdown roll, which is what the Ducks need. And him playing 21, 22 minutes? Yeah. Why not take a punt at Justin Hall? He's making $2 million this season. He might make the same amount next season if the Ducks decide to pick him up. Right now, he is the de facto 7th defenseman for the Toronto Maple Leafs in their playoff run right now. Because you got Riley, Brody, McCabe, Lilligren, and then you have Giordano and whoever else can play. But he's right now the seventh defenseman. Hull has gotten into almost every playoff game so far this postseason. Not so much against Florida. Because Florida's a little bit younger. Well, I I shouldn't say younger. But Florida poses a different style than Toronto's used to. So picking up Justin Hull might not be bad. You could also possibly pick up Eric Gustafson for a year. He's also older, but that's another player that I think is an underrated find as far as free agents. I mean, okay, how about this? Defenseman in the NHL that's going to hit unrestricted free agency that led points. Yeah, you heard me right. As far as unrestricted free agents that are defensemen, Eric Gustafson is at the top of that list, believe it or not. 
with 42 points this season, 7 goals, 35 assists. Now, part of that is because he's on a very good Toronto team, but he still can, you know, make the good play, and he can still make the good pass, and he can still put up points. So maybe the Ducks could find him on a steal as well. I wouldn't mind Gustafson at least being explored. I don't know if I would necessarily say go for him like all the way, but at least put him on your target list. Maybe not at the top of your target list, but you know, put him somewhere in there as a player that the Ducks could go after at some point. All right, we're going to head into the first intermission of this podcast, and I'll talk about some more players the Ducks could go after on the other side. But let's talk about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. And if you haven't tried Built Bar yet, what are you waiting for? Because there are so many great flavors out there, including maple donut. The maple donut puff is very good. My personal favorite, the churro puff. So if you haven't tried for yourself, head over to BuiltBar.com right now and use promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your next order. Or you could head to your local Walmart or your nearest Sam's Club to pick up a variety pack today. Once again, that is Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Once again, you're locked in with Jason J.D. Hernandez, and may the force be with you. We'll see how this free agency works out, but I'm focusing today on the Toronto Maple Leafs solely because there's still some guys out there that I think might get overlooked, but also could get some decent money. Other free agents from the Maple Leafs, Alexander Kerfoot, who's kind of in the prime of his career right now. He's only 28 years old. He's had some solid years with Toronto, but again, This is a residue of being a part of a very potent Maple Leafs offense led by Austin Matthews. So when I look at, you know, players that are out there, Kerfoot is up there. But someone else that I think is going to garner quite a bit of money might be Michael Bunting. Bunting only is making $950,000 this season. Toronto is going to try to keep Bunting, but there's going to be some other suitors out there that could give him some good money and might be a slightly underrated player available in this free agency. Now, he did have that big suspension earlier in the year, but he still got some good value for being a bottom six guy. I mean, first off, he scored 11 goals in 26 games with the Coyotes, so he still like got some good playing with the Coyotes. He's got a bit of an edge to him. Something the Ducks are missing a little bit. Just a little bit. But he's still reliable. You know, 223 goal seasons is nothing to sneeze at. Even on a high potent Toronto team, that is still nothing to sneeze at. Because guess what? If he got that with the Ducks, he would lead the team in goals. That's what I'm saying. So maybe that's someone else that you just go after. But I'm going to think that Bunting is going to stay in Toronto. But the Ducks could at least throw money his way and see if he bites. Although he has been quoted as saying that he's a Toronto boy. 
He loves playing for the Leafs, which I get. And he loves representing that Maple Leaf and representing that organization every single night. So he does want to come back. But the money has to be right. And we'll see what Toronto offers him. I don't know what they're going to offer him, honestly. I really don't. David Kampf. I don't think they'll go after him because he's a center and the Ducks are good up the middle. So I don't think they're going to go after him, nor should they. But Kerfoot, go after him. Bunting, throw money his way and see if he bites. That's a possibility too. So there are other teams out there that I think could help the Ducks in the long run because of their, um, should I say, lack of cap management. I'm looking at you, Vegas Golden Knights. Now, should the Ducks even look at anyone from Vegas right now? I, I don't know. I mean, the UFAs they have, um, Barbashev, that could be a pretty decent pickup. Teddy Bluger could be decent. Brett Howden could be decent. You know, they're all younger. They're all in their 20s. They're all solid players. That's pretty much all those guys that I think could be good and available. Because right now, Vegas is going to have a big issue if Robin Leonard does come back. If he comes back fully healthy, you know, both physically and mentally, then Vegas could be dangerous once again. But that's a $5 million contract. What is Vegas going to do with all the players that they already have signed the contracts? Eichel, Stone, Wild Bill, Corsi King Marcheseau, Riley Smith, Chandler Stevenson, Petrangelo, Alec Martinez, Shea Theodore, McNabb, White Cloud. That is a lot of money already in the books. As it stands right now, with the players that are already signed for next season, that is $80 million that they've already spent in cap space, giving them only $3 million to work with. Which means they've got to shed a couple of those forwards that I mentioned. And they're all left wingers too. Could the Ducks use another left winger? Sure, why not? Wings are kind of their weakness right now. Would a Barbashev or a Bluger help the Ducks? Possibly. It's possible they could help. Those are some good names that I like as far as Vegas is concerned. And they're already in cap hell as it is. So is Montreal, but Montreal doesn't really have any players that jump out at me that I think the Ducks should go after except for Jonathan Drouin Drouin, another left winger someone else that is a reliable scorer I don't know if he's wanting to, I mean he's probably going to want to leave Montreal, go to a better team or he might try to go to an up and rising team like the Ducks they cannot get any worse so that's another name out there that that I could say hmm, maybe go after him as well And those are just some of the names that I think the Ducks could possibly look to go after, mainly because of those teams that I mentioned that are going to have way too much money in the books, and they just cannot spend any more money. They can't at all. All right, we're going to end this podcast on a kind of lighter note here because it is May 4th. And it is Star Wars Day. And instead of talking about hockey for the last segment, because, you know, whatever. I I love Star Wars, okay? It is one of my favorite film franchises of all time. I mean, I have the gear for crying out loud. You know, 
love Star Wars. So maybe just spend five, six minutes talking just about the films itself and a couple of the films in the franchise that I think are a little bit overlooked and a little, I shouldn't say overlooked, but certainly underrated. And I'm going to start with, you know, a movie that is in canon, but a movie that at first I didn't like too much, but after repeated viewings, I kind of went, oh, you know, I I like this movie more, like the more I watch it and the more I realize that it's important to the story, I guess is the best way to put it. And I'm going to start with episode three. Yeah, episode three, I think, is important. Yeah, believe it or not. So, yes, everyone loves episodes four, five, and six. Like, they're always on the top of the list. But, ah, I still like, I still like the prequel. The prequels as they are. Episode three, I think, is up there. The one I think is probably the most underrated and maybe underappreciated because it is not in canon Rogue One Rogue One came out a number of years ago and there are some people that love it, some people hate it Um, from at least some of my friends, it's a very polarizing film because it is not in canon, but I think Rogue One is important to the story it really is, and it really sets up just the drama that happens between episodes three and episodes four. And you have you have these rogues that need to get the plans and just try to sacrifice, which they do. They do eventually end up sacrificing themselves when the Death Star finally tests out its first ray. I know, like, spoiler alert for those that haven't watched Rogue One. But, you know, what spoiler is there? It's between episodes three and four. Everybody, like, everybody that's a Star Wars fan has seen episode four. Everybody has seen A New Hope that are Star Wars fans. They know how it starts. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Sorry, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Everybody knows how that movie starts. Everyone knows that Luke Skywalker, you know, finds the Force. He finds old Ben Kenobi, but it's Obi-Wan. R2-D2 and C-3PO are escaping. That's how the movie starts. Not much of a spoiler there. But the way that Rogue One finishes, and to see that climactic final scene, for those that haven't seen it, I won't spoil how that particular movie ends, but I remember the first time that I watched it, and I kind of went, oh... Oh, I like this. This is kind of neat. Again, I won't say how, but the integration of certain characters, I think, lends itself to being just just a fine film. So if you're at all a Star Wars fan, you know, maybe maybe look out for this one. I, I believe it is on Disney Plus, but, you know, do yourself a favor. At least check out Rogue One. If that's if you haven't already, if you haven't already, check out Rogue One I would call it episode three and a half honestly and I would consider it part of Star Wars like the main canon even though some people don't because it's not part of the nine films oh no screw that no it is it's totally it's totally part of it 
So just my two cents on that. But as far as favorite Star Wars films of mine, um, I think my favorite might be Empire Strikes Back. I've out of the original films, out of episodes four, five, and six, Empire will always be a favorite of mine. A New Hope. Look, I will always watch A New Hope. <laughs> Like, when it's on TV, and it's going to be on TV later today, I'm going to finish recording this. I'm going to go watch it again for, like, the 25th time. But I always have a soft spot for A New Hope. But Empire Strikes Back is absolutely a great film. Followed by A New Hope. Return of the Jedi is is fine. It's a fine film. I don't think it's a number one film, (laughs) Hunter. But Return of the Jedi is a fine film. Not number one. But it's fine. Then, I think after Empire and A New Hope, um, gosh, I liked I liked The Force Awakens. I enjoyed it. Then I'm gonna go Rogue One, and it's only after watching it. I only watched it for the third time recently, and again, it's a movie that after repeated viewings, I appreciate it more and more. For its importance to the story. And I think partially. The first time I watched it. Like episodes 8 and 9. Had not come out yet. So I wasn't really. Like getting the whole scope of the story. But now that 1 through 9 is out. And now that I've actually gotten to see all the films. Like kind of in order. I appreciate it more. So Rogue One. I think is number 4. Uh, Solo, I think, is up there. I have that one right in the middle. Um, It's hard to pick the the ones in the middle, but as far as the ones that are last, um, boy, oh boy. I might go Rise of Skywalker last. Sorry for those of you that liked that one, but Rise of Skywalker, just for some reason, rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, it's an ending. I get it. Like, it's an ending. Let's be done with it. The Last Jedi, you know, was fine. Um, Force Awakens, I think, is my favorite. <sighs> yeah, that that one's tough. That, one, that one's tough. But Revenge of the Sith, I'm going to put up there in, like, the upper half. So Revenge of the Sith, I'm going to put now, like, fifth or sixth, maybe. But at least I have my bottoms. Like, my bottom two. Actually, you know what? No. Bottom two, Rise of Skywalker, Attack of the Clones. Those are my bottom two of Star Wars films. (laughs) That might be a hot take for some. That might be agreeable for a lot of you. But, you know, let me know in the comments. Let me know, you know, on email. What is your order of Star Wars films if you're a Star Wars fan? I'm curious. All right. That'll do it for this podcast. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Don't forget this podcast is free and available across all platforms, including Stitcher, Spotify, Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. Ad-free on Amazon and hit the bell on YouTube. You could email me at LockedOnAnaheimDucks at gmail.com. My Twitter's at StimpyJD. The show's Twitter's at LO underscore Ducks. Once again, thank you all for your continued support. It is greatly appreciated. And may the force be with you. For Locked on Anaheim Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying have a great rest of the day. Please remember to be safe out there, be kind to one another, and ducks fly together.